Johnny's gonna cry. I caught that the right moment. Right, uh, welcome to episode number 214 of the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Brizzle Hadley, and I'm here with my temporary guest co-host, Jonathan Lewis. Why, why temporary? I just stole that from the Stronger by Science podcast, because it's a bit of an ongoing joke, uh, if you don't listen to it, between Eric Trexler, who is uh, obviously a... Um, not a founder of Strong Voice Science because obviously that would be Greg Knuckles but he's obviously a partner of his now and uh, they have their own podcast which is very good I recommend anyone re- like theirs is very much aimed I think at a higher a very high le- uh, level of knowledge um, base for people in the industry and kind of like re- clients that are really into a kind of knowing all about training and nutrition um, but go listen really good I enjoy it but they have, do have a and, and also go listen for the very very dry sarcastic humour which I very much appreciate but basically there's an ongoing joke that has been going on since it started i don't know how many episodes in now 50 or something now and uh, where greg um eric always refers to greg as a special guest temporary or special temporary guest um, co-host if i can get my words out as it as if to suggest that he may not get invited back oh so i may not invite you back next week no so i thought i'd steal it oh fair enough so welcome. Enough. welcome it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be on. I'm glad. Glad I yeah. could. I'm glad I could make your day. I'm glad I could assist you in this uh, podcast. Yours. And mine. That's the thing. Mine. Uh, <laughs> um, how are you, my friend? Other than uh, what we obviously, well, I already knew about, and we obviously, I had an update prior to uh, the the call, but all this, you know, before we recording. How how are you, my friend? Apart from my head blow injury, I'm, I'm pretty good. Let's explore that elbow injury, because that's what I was inferring to. I fucked up doing uh, BJJ. Mm, yes. Mm. So, hyperextension, unfortunately. Um, they were like, well, we're not sure maybe it could have subluxed up like a partial dislocation, so it goes, pops out and it goes back in. But anyway, whatever it was, it hurt. Sounds like a motherfucker. Mm. Um, so now I can't train. I suppose I could train legs. I just haven't done yet because of work. So, yeah, there's that. I've had a couple of injuries lately. Brett, I've had a knee, this elbow, lower back. Um, not injury, but school holidays. So I've, I've ha- apart from quite a bit of BJJ, I haven't really trained weights much at all. I'm talking maybe twice in a fortnight. Mm. It's not... And if you're like me and you don't train very much like that, you're like, mm, I don't feel very good with Yeah. You feel a bit flabbier and a bit more watery. Are you going to tell me that the elbow was done like trying to dramatically fight some form of um, armbar or like Kimura or something? Or Well, no, we were working on um, we were working on guard passing. So he said at the end, right, time to roll, blah, blah, blah. So we, we, me and the guy were like, well, let's at least try and start from where we were drilling from so when we started that so i'm trying to pass and somehow in the tango there's no armbar no serious uh submission going on my arm has managed to get stuck between us and obviously i think he's he's 
laid on top of it, so it's, and I've my hand's been stiff. So he's um, accidentally put his weight on my elbow, and there's a few cracks, and then uh, a bit of pain. Hmm. The worst bit about it was I felt like I was going to spill. What, because of the pain, or...? Yeah, because I was over the bin. Wow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a bit dark. I felt a bit dizzy as well. Hmm. So I yeah. lay down for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then I was all right then. That is a bit strange. When I Obviously, we spoke about this already, but when I ruptured my ACL when I was playing football... Um, well, actually, when I, I injured my knee a month or two before doing that, which I think was the start of the problem, and I managed to kind of just suffer through games... Like pretty, when I look back now, like obviously bear in mind I was only twenty six, twenty seven, maybe twenty six. Um, it might be no less than that, maybe twenty four, twenty five actually. So sorry, um, but I look back now, so reasonably young. But I think to myself, there's no way I should have been playing, and like it's ridiculous now to think I even managed to play games like full games with the the state my knee was in, um, but. Yeah, anyway, the first time I injured it, I remember thinking it obviously it was really painful, really bad, but couldn't play the rest of that game, suffered like a week later and just managed to like suffer every single week, thinking it would gradually get better. And then eventually when it completely ruptured, I didn't think I had much pain at all. Strange, isn't it? How, how, things, how things operate in the body. Because mm. yeah. I felt the elbow felt as bad as when I broke my arm. Yeah. Well, but it clearly wasn't as bad because it wasn't broken. Well, no, but um, yeah, it's strange. I, the thing is, I say, I say no pain. What I do remember is the sensation of feeling like my leg is broken, as in I remember running and it happened basically like the first time it happened with a tackle, a bit like I said to you, a bit like your situation where I tackled two people. So I think there was two people jostling over a ball running inside and I was playing centre defence as they came inside the ball got a bit loose so I saw an opportunity to basically wipe them out just take the ball and wipe them out and what happened is I went underneath them with my left leg and they obviously they, the momentum of them took them over my leg and obviously I think me going one way and them going the other just meant my leg just buckled in a really odd way and obviously that's how I injured it the actual rupture happened chasing a winger down the down the well down the wing and he turned to come inside and as I tried to stop to come inside with him I remember hearing like a pop or a crack or a noise or something without feeling like too much pain. But I remember thinking, I think my legs just snapped. So I've, I kind of expected after I'd hit the ground to look down, expect my leg to be in like two bits, but it wasn't. I was like, whatever's going on. And obviously when I went to the hospital, had an MRI and all that stuff, then found out obviously I'd completely ruptured my ACL, tore my medial, split all my meniscus and did a little bit of cartilage damage and basically as bad as it gets for a knee. Um, but yeah, none of that resulted in actually that much pain, which is random. Because you'd think that sounds horrific. Because normally you would say, like ligament damage and, te- and tears are worse than breaks. Because you know what a break, sting it up. Yeah, what, just uh, certainly recovery's worse. Because ligaments and tears usually require surgery of some description, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, therapy. I uh, I I said to you the surgeon. Well, after I had MRI, MRI was talking me through it, and there was like a, a obviously the almost like an X ray of my knee, and there was like a black path through the middle, um, which is obviously like where your usual like ligaments kind of thread through the knee joint. And um, he said to me, "See, see that black bit?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, um, "There's supposed to be a big white line through the middle of that, and you have none. So uh, your ACL is completely gone." I was like, "Oh, lovely." Oh, okay. 
Um, so yeah, they had to take like a telegraphed and drill it. I think it was the episode with um, Hannah, we spoke about this, didn't we? But I took a telegraph through the inside of my left patella. So I've got like a gap in. So if everyone feels like, if everyone like tenses their quad or kind of stands up, you can feel like underneath the kneecap, uh, like a tendon that goes down across the front of the shin or into the like shin bone. Um, mine has got like a gap in between, like there's a strand missing or something. So like about, I don't know, five mil strand missing in the middle where obviously they took that out and drilled through my knee and threaded it through and bolted it either side. Nice. Yeah. It's still quite, it's still painful now to kneel on, like just cause I don't, and I don't know if that's cause there's like bolts kind of kneeling on bolts or something or what, but and I also have no feeling on the, on the kind of outer left hand side of like my knee, my whole knee because of the scarring. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I just kind of want those things really where, I don't know any different almost now. It's almost like base, like so baseline that I don't even notice it. Well, the, the the risk of sport, I think, isn't it? The risk of any, well, any sport really, bodybuilding, powerlifting. Great segue, mate. It's football, good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great segue. There's definitely there's definitely risk for sports and certain things you do. Um, and obviously, I suppose great respect to the uh, to late John Meadows, Mountain Dog. So obviously, we wanted to talk about that. Not not necessarily him specifically, because obviously, um, you know, other than just kind of rest in peace, John was definitely one of the good guys in the industry. Not that obviously we would ever know who he was or we know who we are, but obviously, I guess for a lot of people, if you follow bodybuilding most people would know who he is and um, certainly seemed like he was one of the real level-headed and decent dudes in the industry. Um, so obviously I think, bear in mind, I don't know how old he was, like early 40s, was it? Something like that. Yeah, okay. So obviously he's now died of what, assuming is some sort of heart issues because we know he obviously had a heart attack reasonably recently, didn't he, that he's recovering from or... Had... Yeah. Yeah. But apparently, be apparently his parents died young of heart issues. Yeah, actually, I think that he's got that running in the family. Yeah, it? yeah. Well, I, I did, I did, I think I read when he had his heart attack that there was some kind of genetic history um, mm. of of kind of history of heart issues. Then, so um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But I guess obviously we didn't want to talk necessarily specific about him, um, other than obviously being a great loss. But I guess the, I, the there's obviously a few reasonably well-known individuals now in the industry that have kind of died of issues that are known users of performance enhancing drugs, and obviously John was one of them. And obviously not not something that he obviously hid or or, or hid in any way. And I guess the, it's kind of one we want to speak about is the inherent risk that there always is with performance enhancing drugs. We, we, obviously, for anyone that's really interested, go back to way way back early in the days when we started this podcast nearly four years ago now. Um, obviously the episode we did with Steve Cassidy around basically anabolics and performing enhancing drugs and just kind of listen to some of them and I think he was open at the time to say about obviously there's always some form of risks that there's, there's not risk free no matter how much you try to manage it I guess I mean, I'm, we're not going to spend loads because there's the other stuff we want to talk about that's gone on this week but I'm not going to spend loads of time talking about it but I guess it does kind of show up that as much as there's there's good ways and bad ways to do most stuff like it or anything really isn't there and I think there's definitely a bad way to do performance answer drugs if if that's something that you choose you want to do. But I think there's a good way, but I don't think there's ever a perfect way to think that as much as you want to control all the issues and you think that it's as healthy as not doing them, I, I just can't see that being true. Well, if you look at the... 
well, Broadrich Chavez, he's probably the foremost guy on that sort of stuff in the industry, probably the world. He's coached Olympians, Olympic caliber athletes, professional bodybuilders. He is a biologist. He's a doctor of biology. So he knows chemically how these things work. And he says, there are ways that you can reduce the risks. However, it's never risk-free. And this is a guy who's very, obviously he's not the guy who just pushes it for needlessly, but he is known as the drug guy. So he will refer to things, the drugs all the time because he has an understanding of what you should or should not do. But even he says, clearly it's not risk-free. And, and in hindsight, for someone, if someone's got heart issues in the family, probably the sport you don't want to be doing at a high level is bodybuilding because of the diuretics, extreme body fat, extreme dieting, the use of drugs. It's not, probably not the best thing to be doing because genetics load the gun, the environment pulls the trigger. So it's like, well, yeah, we've, probably everyone has got some sort of genetics for some particular form of disease at some point, whether that shows up when we're 20 or 95, how you live your life, the healthier you are, the less chance there is of that happening. However, there's the risk reward, isn't it? If you're going to be an Olympic athlete, you're going to win gold and you're going to win a career revolves on that. Then I imagine you're willing to take more risk mm. And your average Joe, I mean, that's why he's obviously willing to take a risk because his life was bodybuilding and in that environment. Yeah. But obviously now, obviously you, you, you can only can only speculate the reasons why he had that issue, pulmonary embolism. So that's a clot that goes to the lung, I think. So it's like, well, potentially his choice is have caused an early death. That's not to say you wouldn't have died from the same thing later on anyway. So it's like, well, it's hard to, to say well, what, what he's doing is right or wrong because it's up to him. You're your own person, your own life. But that's the risks. That is the inherent risks of those type of drugs. And especially people don't realize that things like hematocrit go up, depending on your genetics when you take things again. And if you don't keep that in check, you will have a stroke. So it's like people say, yeah, you can you can be say you know, there's been used of use for 30, 40 years. But I imagine back when they started the dosages weren't so high for one. They're not so extreme. Um maybe they've done it a bit better. Maybe the genetics allow them to do that. But yeah, it's steroids or performance of drugs they never risk free just like any drug is not risk free have you ever seen a backlog from in paracetamol pack it's just like well you know people pop them like you know what we're not going out of fashion nobody cares but yeah. you know I th the point you made around i guess like high level athletes or well yeah high level athletes or even kind of people that are so dedicated like the likes of john meadows and a lot of people in the bodybuilding industry um <sighs> they will often do stuff they know is harmful to health 
for the you know for their passion which you know whatever that is or you know, like to achieve the the most they possibly can or be the best they possibly can or something uh, there's that well-known study which a lot of people refer to quite often in the fitness industry around olympians that were surveyed and asked around like would you give up five years of your lifespan to win a gold medal and like the is unanim- almost unanimously like yes absolutely would which is obviously quite a statement to really make like literally sacrifice five years of life on this earth to obviously have a, a gold-plated medal and i guess obviously you know, there's the the pride the recognition all the stuff that comes with that isn't just for a bloody medal is it but i think um it does show you how strong and powerful people's wills and passions are that they're prepared to try and sacrifice the ultimate really like life for which i mean i guess there's an argument of like if you know what is life if you're not doing the things that you're passionate for so you know, there's no point living longer if you just you're not doing the things you enjoy, which you kind of get, and that plays into that, I suppose. Yes, like I mean, people will say you will die, everyone will die at some point, whether it be early or late. You will die, so you may as well follow the things that you love, that you dream of doing. I mean, you may as well follow that if you're going to die anyway. I mean, but. You've got, there's a fine line of people using that as an excuse to do stupid shit, which is people do tonight. People take drugs. Oh yeah, I'm take I'm sniffing cocaine every weekend because I'm only live once to new bro. Like yeah, well, but it's an unnecessary risk in your life potentially. But but yeah, so yeah, it's risk management. What do you want to do? I mean, if you go if you go to earn ten million quid by doing it, well, would you do it? I would say a lot of people would. If you say, well, you're going to lose five years of your life, but you're going to earn 10 million quid for me, it's like, well, I'll take five years off. And then you can live to 105 anyway. Live to 100, tidy. I'm not. You know what I mean? That's yeah. yeah. That's all you could die tomorrow rather than when you're 75. You're like, oh, well, that's a bit too much risk. Well, who knows, though? That's the thing. I and mean, that works both ways in that you might die tomorrow. So, like, why are you worried about taking mm. a few extra risks? I mean, I guess that's one way, one perspective a lot of people will live their life by. Like, you hit my bus tomorrow. I think it's needless risk, you know. There's there is things in life that are need it's needless risk. It's like, well, what's the point in that? Why are you doing that? The risk and reward is just skewed in favor of risk. It's like if it's just if I mean most people could probably do without a genetic issue for heart disease or anything like that. They could probably do steroids for twenty years sensibly, in low enough dosages, monitoring blood work, and probably be okay. But that's not to say it's risk-free. But I mean, you you could be okay. But you just—it's like people will do uh, for twenty years and absolutely armor it for twenty years just because they can, and then die. It's like, well, what should we get? It's like yeah. it's like piano, isn't it? He armored it and armored it and armored it and took drugs, and he's like, where did it? Where did it get you? Really? Are you dead? Mid forties, whoever it was, fifty maybe. Yeah, he 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 might he might argue like I said though like he he obviously died probably well I think it's probably safe to say he died early given his lifestyle choices and obviously like the passion and stuff they put into bodybuilding but he'd probably argue also he had the best life he could possibly have because of that yeah probably you no know, what like well yeah yeah like would he have had all that if he hadn't have kind of done what he did and would he have the the fame the money the you know, the experiences, all the stuff that probably comes with that type of stuff. Maybe, Influence. but if if he was, you'd weigh like three hundred twenty pound. If you weigh two hundred seventy pound, would it have made a much difference to your life? Probably not. 
Uh, well, no, probably not. But then Rich especially was known as like someone who was like the ultimate freak, almost like in a good way. He would, he would. I'm sure he would have. Well, I say sure, like I fucking knew him. No, of course I didn't. But I get the impression he was the sort of dude that like would love to be called a freak, like because he was like seeing him at body power, like in the flesh, and like walking past his stand, he stands and he like he is literally ginormous. He's a comic book character. He is like, unfathomably massive. Like his arms were bigger than like my waist. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. Like I just I found his behavior very very stupid because he, he he liked to thought i think he likes to think he was intelligent because it was ge- his genetics enabled him to be that big but the stuff he spotted was absolute bullshit oh yeah, yeah but... you know you could have you could have actually read of it and probably saved your own life but you just i think to me his risk was stupidity and it could have been managed better i mean if you're taking started why are you sniffing drugs at the same time Lifestyle. Well, just again, lifestyle choice, isn't it? About you know yeah. what, what people get into, I suppose. But um, the the point you made, which we revisit, which I think is a good another like amazing segue, Johnny. I don't know how you're doing it tonight, but um, it's, I guess like you say, a lot of this is it is it worthwhile if you're doing it for something pointless? I suppose that brings us on to the point around the uproar that's been in the industry this week. So um, our, our friend James Smith has uh, annoyed, pissed off. A large, well, probably not even a large, actually. Probably quite a small proportion of the industry, let's be honest, in reality, because I don't think bodybuilding, prep coaches, physique-based people are that bigger. I mean, I guess it's a decent chunk of the kind of fitness industry, but to say it's the majority is probably actually a bit of an overstatement. But anyway, he's pissed off enough people to make a a noise about his comments around bodybuilding and how... um, PTs especially should focus a bit less time on trying to get dick skin lean um, to the point where their dicks don't actually work and um, instead focus a bit more time on actually building their, their business and helping more people and they might actually be more successful. And I think that's that that kind of, I mean, there was a, a big post of the people that haven't seen it and are interested, go on his Instagram feed and have a look at it a bit. He put a post out where someone asked him, what do you think about bodybuilding? He basically said he thinks it's shit, people shouldn't do it, should spend more time, like PTs especially, building their business up. And I think uh, when we chatted about it, we came to the conclusion, spoiler alert, that in the most James Smith way, he took the some reasonably valid points and put them across as as extreme as you possibly can. Got some very extreme responses back the other way, which obviously extreme things in the first place tend to then attract uh, and achieve probably everything he wanted to achieve. Lots of controversy and attention. So from his perspective, probably job done. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. And he is that div- divisive character. And, he, and the thing... And really speaking, the thing he said is probably not far off the mark for a lot of people. Not a lot of people, a lot of people in the, in the fitness industry. Mm. He's probably ruffled a few feathers. Ruffled, ruffled a few feathers. Because he's probably right for, for a lot of the time. It's like <clears throat> PTs in general are not very successful in terms of business. There's the odd couple, really, isn't it? They're very, very successful that own superstar sort of money like James Smith Joe Wicks those sort of people um, so in the terms of business thing he's right I mean is getting dick skin lean really going to make your business go from 20 grand a year to 80 grand a year I very much doubt it however maybe it stroked your ego you felt like shit for a couple of weeks 
you haven't done the things you want to do for a few weeks, which you're potentially pushing to your clients. You should have a balanced lifestyle when your back, your lifestyle isn't that balanced. So I'm like, he's probably right for a lot of the time. However, again, like always, it's just his opinion. If you're triggered by his opinion, then he's probably not far off the mark for you, is he? I would imagine. But like, it's his opinion. If you don't like it, don't follow him. Because if who cares, like, whatever. But I understand where he comes from. He, I would rather be him than your average PT or bodybuilder, without fucking question. Yeah. I, I, it comes down to kind of a bit, like you said, that segue around, like, doing it for the right, doing all the stuff and, like, I guess we're not talking necessarily about drugs here, although they do come hand in hand with bodybuilding, let's be honest. Um, but even just dedicating and making the sacrifices you have to make just generally to compete in bodybuilding in terms of like closing yourself off from friends, family, social occasions, restriction of food, driving yourself to kind of like points of almost neurosis around um, like food, low energy, low energy availability, you know like he made the comment around your dick not working and stuff and obviously like smashing up hormonal levels to a point where you just feel like crap constantly they are some quite extreme things you have to do for an extreme sport which obviously if people's motivation to do so is really to well two things it could be the like you know boost your self-worth which i think is something that he mentioned which i guess that falls a little bit under the um you know, make yourself feel a bit better about yourself by getting in, you know, what you consider obviously optimal or amazing shape. Um, perhaps also kind of covering up potential eating disorders or disordered eating um, under the guise of control. So a lot of people will probably compete in, well, we know there's a lot of people and this isn't everyone. So don't get triggered, obviously, if you if this isn't you. But there are a lot of people within kind of physique-based sports like, you know, bodybuilding, you know, bikini, um even the photo shoot packages and stuff that people kind of put out there a lot of these people get involved in these things because they feel like that's going to heal their relationship with food and that that's going to be the thing that helps them control their diet and get into you know the shape they always want to want to do and the reality is for most people that's not the case and that you speak to the coaches and again like these are very blanket statements and will not apply to everybody so please 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 don't assume that they do apply to you if they don't um, or don't don't assume that I'm talking to you. Sorry if they don't apply to you. Um, but you know we, we've picked people up. I know there are plenty of people, friends in the industry that I've chatted to about this. They picked up people that have done these things, like you know competed bodybuilding shows. They've done photo shoot packages and stuff, and they're still coaching those individuals now because they've had to basically deal with the fallout of the damage that's caused through that process. When you're pushing yourself to the extremes like bodybuilding, it's almost impossible not to develop some form of eating or disordered eating because mm. it takes disordered eating to get to that stage like you have to deny every bit of hunger to a point you have to have weird practices you have to eat weird foods and it takes quite a strong individual to go through all of that and come out the other side completely unscathed yeah 100% I think competitive bodybuilding especially I think for 90% of, say, general population who would do it is a net negative, I would think. And obviously that's the exact figure, I just made that number up. But for the things you've got to do, for the outcomes you get, to what you think you're going to feel like, to what you actually feel like, it just I don't think it's really worth it for people 
especially consistently. I mean, it's not exactly, it's not conducive to health to be extreme dieting because it is extreme dieting. Get get into you know early single digit body fat. It's not healthy being down there. It's not healthy being di- dehydrated. And you can't sustain it. Is a big big point. You can't sustain it. So psychologically, when you think you look shite because you've gone from four percent to twelve percent, you're like, oh, I look like shit. Well, actually, no, mate. You should look abs, and you look better. You look bigger. Do you psychologically you think you look shit? So psychologically, I mean, I think it's probably more damaging psychologically than physically because the things you got to go through, like, oh, I'm I'm photoshoot lean, even you're like, oh, that's awesome. But I'm like, I can't maintain that. Like if you force your say seven, eight percent, you probably can't maintain that all year round. But you could probably maintain twelve. So I mean, if you can if you if someone said to me you can maintain twelve percent all year round, what if I told people you can maintain twelve percent all year round, eat quality food most of the time, never miss a social occasion, and be happy with how you look, then I think people will take it around and go, Well you have that, they'll be five percent shredded in a in a in a psychological physical mess i think i think people want to think they want to be five percent especially men women not so much i think they think they want to be that but i think in reality they just want to look good which you would attend 12 percent, depending on obviously the muscle mass you carry as well and to be able to live your life and do the things you want to do without being without doing two things too far out and out of the ordinary to maintain like nobody's maintaining five six percent all year round unless you're a professional bodybuilder who are jamming in shit loads of gear all year round, and even they will not maintain single digits. Well, maybe high single digits some of them, but yeah, it's one of those. I think it's a net negative for most people because I I found the last maybe not now but maybe by 2016, 17, 18, 19 maybe around there, a lot of people doing shows, a lot of women thinking what. Then why are you doing it? What's this? Because there's two in the gym I used to go to, and the way they did it was kind of horrific. The coaches should have been shot because they were it was it was pathetic coaching. It was shocking. I'm like you are fucking half dead. What are you doing? For what? One of them looked like a fucking stroke. The face dropped. I'm like, it looks like you've had a fucking stroke. Clearly, this is not healthy view. But then it's like, for what reason? But it goes down to psych. It's down to psychology, isn't it? If if you went through life, closed your ears to people you don't know, and just listened to the people that really cared about you, you wouldn't. You probably wouldn't be doing stuff like this. Because people listen to other people, they? they look to see what's going on. I want to be like that. Do you really? Um, I had that from, Gar- from Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a bit of an educator, I know, but he said, if you go through life, putting your f- fingers in your ears to people you don't know, your life would be far better. Mm-hmm. I think, to really, I know he's getting that. It's like you do what you want to do and don't be influenced by people that don't know you, don't care about you, you don't know. Which I think a lot of this boils down to, I want to look good for other people. I want to look good because people think I've got more knowledge because I look good, which is obviously we know is not the case. And they do it for potentially for other people or there's something they think they want. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that last bit because they were the bits that I wanted to lead on on all like my, my thoughts next almost in that there's kind of that why do people do it in terms of is it the social proof the i feel i need to kind of look a certain way or i feel like i need to have been in competition to basically 
you know become a spokesperson in the industry and get clients is it a, i want to impress my peers i want to impress the people around me like oh look at me i've competed and you know look, i've got these pictures for, to, to kind of prove it um or is it more of a like you just feel like it's the done thing in the industry because i guess like i felt all of those at some point albeit i've never and i kind of like i don't know i'm, I'm torn in that like I, I kind of thought at one point in time i'll definitely compete at some point because i'm just you know i have been living a reasonably amateur style bodybuilding life in terms of kind of like yes i am purposely trying to manipulate my body composition through the similar methods that a bodybuilder would do um but i think as time's gone on i have i see myself less and less chance of me ever getting on stage and doing it and but and I, I guess like it's because actually i didn't really have a real driver to want to do it and that I like the sacrifice to do it is not something that I'm that is worth it because there isn't that driver. Like I don't, I, I just you know I'm trying to think like why would I get on stage? And I, yes, there is a tiny part of me that thinks the experience would be quite good. And like just you know the, I the thing I admire through bodybuilders that do it for the right reasons is that the requirements to push yourself and your body into such extreme scenarios is quite breathtaking to be honest. Sometimes when you think about how like. When I've dieted four photo shoots that I've done myself, um, I felt pretty crap by the end of it. And I think to myself, I don't know if I could do that to the further extent that I need to go to be able to get on stage from like kind of like, you know, acceptable photo shoot lean to on stage lean. I just don't think it'd be possible. I think the feelings and the way you'd walk around all the time, I just, I don't know if I'd have it in me to, to kind of push myself that hard. And I guess there's there's a certain level of respect for bodybuilders that do that, that I have for them. And I think if you kind of look at it in that respect, I think, yeah, actually what's wrong with it? Is there a problem with, with kind of going to bodybuilding? Because actually this like really quite a impressive thing to do. But I guess as soon as you start to think about some of the reasons why people do it you, around like, you know, those things about impression other people and kind of masking or putting plasters over it, disordered eating habits and, and stuff like that. Then you start to think, well, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, maybe it isn't that impressive actually, and you know that it's actually quite disturbing to see what people will do to kind of mm. almost convince themselves they don't have a problem. Like, that's all right, it, bodybuilding cured my eating disorder type thoughts. It didn't. It just covered it up for a bit until you stop bodybuilding again. Because what happens? Like, you might have a five-year run of shows or whatever, but what happens at the end of that when you go fucking mad and binge on everything in sight, and you, your disordered eating habits are worse than ever? Yeah. Think. Maybe people think that because what he's because the way James Smith said, he's got no respect for bodybuilding. I imagine he's got respect for it because it's obviously clear it's probably the most difficult sport you can do because it's obviously twenty four seven. Yeah, I, I just just on that, I don't think he said he'd have respect for bodybuilding. I don't think he had respect for bodybuilders because I think he did say something around like you know the top one percent who dominate the field. He has respect for. He named a few people like Lane Norton and I can't remember his wife's name, no, Holly Baxter, I think her name is, isn't it? And like some people that obviously clearly he respects that 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 have done it and into it. But there are also people that have been successful at it and obviously managed yeah. to make careers out of it, which are like, like you said before the call, the 0.1% of people. So I don't think he doesn't have respect for it. I think it's just, it's kind of like you can't all be Usain Bolt. Let's all stop trying to be and putting so much effort into trying to be Usain Bolt. You know, you know that's, that's a bit, maybe it's a shit analogy. I don't know, but 
like you wouldn't invest every, all of your entire life, all of your money, all of your effort into trying to be Usain Bolt when you just can't be. And yet when you, you've got a business to try and run, why don't you invest all your time and effort into that, I think is the point he's making. I think the point he makes is, 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 a, is a good point, really. Because I think you look at the you look at the people who are very success, successful, Joe Wicks, at the top of you know, Joe Wicks, who have really, like, top level, because obviously people go into business for money, don't they? Obviously, and maybe have to work for themselves a bit more, um, control of their life. But Joe Wicks and Jim Smith, Joe Wicks is a multi, multi-millionaire, which is, I imagine, everybody wants to be that, don't they, obviously? He's not a bodybuilder, he's never done bodybuilding, he appeals to the masses who would never, like, who would never, ever consider bodybuilding. He's barely a PT, mate, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, he's barely a PT. His knowledge is, is shit, but whatever. He's, he's marketed well, He's got enough basic knowledge to do the things he does, and, and, and he's good. And he's good with people. Like he's yeah. really good with people. He comes across well. People like him. Like to be honest, that is a large chunk of the job anyway. So, yeah. I know. And and James Smith is doesn't. He's in decent condition. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He clearly enjoys his life. He's. I imagine he's worth a decent chunk of money. Most more than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all PTs. Um. And he's working his business. He's not concentrated on doing like a bodybuilding show because he knows that it's not really going to get him in anymore. It's not going to move his business forward that much, really. I think I think I can understand why people want to do it once to go look. This is the shape I've been in once or whatever, just as a, as like a website homepage or something. I sorry, I do get it. I do I get why people do it, hmm. but I think that. The, Generally, it's it's a net negative yeah. for people to do it. And there's no, it doesn't. I don't think it achieves the things that people think it's going to. And I'm not saying, and people who say, "Oh, you just you because you, you can't do it." Yeah, probably can't. I don't. I don't think I would ever. I wanted to compete one day. I'm like, no, nah, I'm sorry, this is not for me. Because yeah. I, for me to be whatever, it would take 160 pounds maybe. I ain't getting there. I'm not getting there. I'm not going to try. I'm yeah. fully aware of what I, and I, I'm not willing to sacrifice the things I need to sacrifice to get there. I'm like, yeah, fine. I'm afraid of that. I'm like, I'd rather, I'd rather be 10, 12% body, body fat, do some combat sport, be healthier, not really, not miss any social occasions and, and not worry about my diet that much. Be aware of what I eat, but I wouldn't want to be Oh, I gotta be five percent body fat for the next show. I gotta be doing this and this. I'm like, well, I think yeah. Like for most people, it's a net negative. It doesn't make it any less impressive. People get in that condition. I'm not saying, but I don't think it ever achieves what people think they will achieve. It's like yeah. me now. It's like me going to train six days a week, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or kickboxing, thinking I'm gonna be in the UFC in England. It's supposed to mean what's I could train six days a week. BJJ probably but I'm like is it really worth the because the, the injury risk I would I would say is quite high so I'm like is it really worth me doing that when I'm not I, I, I'm never going to get to the UFC sort of thing I might want to compete but I don't need to I don't want to be I don't need to train six days a week to compete you know what I mean so it's yeah you've got to you've got to know yourself and you've got to know your limits and like for bodybuilding you ain't gonna be a pro unless within a year you've gained a humongous amount of muscle. Within a year, you would know. 
but at least within two we would know if you're going to go pro. We wouldn't. There, 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 there is an element though that if you if you enjoy it and you're doing it for the right reasons, I don't think the kind of going pro is necessarily like a requirement or a driver to to think like the reason you compete in it is because you have to win. Because actually, I think you can easily go there and and just enjoy the experience and the process and do it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think like it's a, it's almost a, a requisite that you have you you only can do it if you're going to win. Like if not, don't bother. Because actually, I don't think that's I don't think that's true. Um, I think it does come down to the kind of again like the drivers, the the kind of the actual goals or why people do it. Just kind of for most people, it's because it's such an extreme sport. The the kind of the driver has to be quite extreme and i guess that leads either extreme negatives or just kind of generally quite extreme or dedicated positives if that makes sense so obviously it then yeah uh, as i say i'm i'm split in terms of like the, i think james put out some really good points and i think that applies to a large amount of people probably the majority of people that you compete but that might seem like a bit of an overstatement. I don't know, but I think the points he made around like really, are you doing it for the right reasons? Like, because I think afterwards he came out and said like, look, all you lot have got your fucking panties in a twist. Um, I wasn't necessarily aiming this at you. I was aiming this at seventeen-year-old me or whatever who was fucking double jabbing twice a day, like thinking that I needed to get jacked and compete because that was what everyone did in the industry, and I felt the pressure. And I wish someone would have fucking told me that however many years ago because obviously I'd have given up trying and actually enjoyed my life and been far more successful earlier on in my in my career than having to kind of waste so much time doing the shit that he feels he's so like he gets passionate about anti-doing now anti-doing but obviously not doing now um so and I, and I get that and I think obviously you made some really good points there um there's just obviously a lot of people that as because obviously he's extreme in the way he puts it across for the reason because obviously that's his thing that's his that is his his niche and his persona like be almost be fractious and just be like um what's the word well yeah be fractious with people and just generate controversy even to the point obviously where like you know using like the c word constantly on stuff and just calling people calling people out for their haircuts and things and i guess like there was a bit element of some of the comments on his stuff were around his personal appearance so he kind of just, I suppose, retorted in that way. Um, whether you think that's okay, I, I don't know really. I suppose like n- no one should have commented on anyone's appearance in the first place anyway. But I suppose as people did, then I guess perhaps he's within his rights to call back. But this is opinion, isn't it? Yeah. People don't like your opinion. It's just an opinion. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's not. It's not, yeah. He's it, not. It's not like he said anything that you that is objective. You know. I say most of what he said isn't objective. It is it is opinion. It's subjective stuff. I mean, obviously there is some objective stuff around kind of generally the extremes you have to push yourself in and thinking about your why would you do it. But otherwise, kind of like you know, if if it doesn't apply to me and actually I'm competing for the right reasons and I enjoy it, it's a bit like saying I don't like rap music and don't listen to it. You know, you no, know, it doesn't mean rap doesn't mean rap music shit. Just you know, it's just some not for you. So just don't get on with it. Um, but I mean. Taking it to the other stretch, you do think to yourself like, I guess the amount of exposure to kind of physique-based stuff does. I start to personally, when I think about all this type of thing, makes me feel a bit uncomfortable around. Does it fit in my values and my own ethics? Because I kind of like I enjoy aspects and I appreciate aspects of things like the aesthetic side and the bodybuilding side. But I also know a bit like this a lot of the content we spoke about last week with Georgia that it has 
quite a profound effect on not negative profound effect. I don't know if you can have it. Can you get a negative profound? Have I just have I created an oxymoron there? Probably good. Is profound specifically positive or basically it has a it has a, a significant negative effect on people's individuals mental health body image and kind of self-compassion about stuff when they're constantly exposed to things like the ultimate physiques in bodybuilding shows the same way as obviously you know we mentioned about photo shoots and this has made me feel uncomfortable thinking about it to be honest and i had a chat with amelia thompson afterwards when she posted around why she never promotes photo shoots anymore and i was like mm, that makes you feel uncomfortable because we've sold photo shoot packages before um and I guess it comes down to the premise of like when you're gamifying, which is effectively what a lot of people do. Although I wouldn't say we necessarily did gamify ours, but I guess there is an element of focus on aggressive or reasonably aggressive weight loss because people want to look a certain way as lean as they possibly can when they have the photo shoot done as almost like, you know, documentation of how well they, you know, air quotes, well, they've, they've done. Um, that in itself drives potentially quite poor behaviours. Um, and obviously other people they know have gamified them really specifically where they've, I suppose, offered prizes or like the, the biggest loser gets, you know, a thousand pounds or something, which obviously then drives people to the real extremes to win this prize. And it often then leads people in worse, poorer positions around food relationships, behaviours and eating patterns than it did before they started. And obviously the idea of any coaching is not to do that, is to do the opposite, is to kind of leave people in a better position. So it did make me feel a little bit like, oh, I feel uncomfortable thinking about this now because it's made me reflect on our own personal stuff. It makes me feel a little bit like, oh, did we do stuff that's unethical? And obviously that's always an uncomfortable like dissonance to have. You're thinking about it in your head like, oh, no, it conflicts with kind of you know, my, my own values and ethics as such. Um, so I, I kind of, all of this kind of amalgamates together in my brain sometimes when I think about it. And I think about, oh, just the perhaps like almost industries in themselves should never really focus on physique at all and like obviously and i find myself going right down the the kind of the anti-diet the haze approach um yeah yeah sorry i just just my 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 brain is spewing out thoughts right now because the more i think about it the more i've got things coming out of my head like Ugh. i think it's okay it's definitely okay to want to look better and i want to look i want to look a particular way but but but, but that's the, that's the thing is like I I do think that so, so that's that's why I get these these kind of conflicting dissonance in my brain because I'm not I'm, I'm not completely anti diet and I'm not like you know health at every size like aligned completely but I do have a lot of those values and tendencies but then it conflicts with the fact that I also think it's okay for people to want to look better and I don't think that's necessarily we should be telling people what their their goals are. Um, and I also appreciate the sport of bodybuilding and I appreciate what, you know, you might see as a good physique. I just don't put so much stock into that. That's what defines someone and makes them, you know, like a decent human being. So, I don't know, it's a bit like having a nice haircut. It's like, it's cool to have a nice haircut, but it doesn't make you who you are, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's the issue, I think. There's the sport of bodybuilding is... Um, a good sport in terms of it's very, very difficult to do. Um, but don't do it for the wrong reasons to, for you to think that it's going to get you somewhere, like it'll get you more clients or you want to do it for other people. It's just... 
That's all the way you're doing things in this. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think because body, bodybuilding at the extreme is not a healthy thing, but two of the right reasons. I think the uh, it, part of the issue as well is that it is exacerbated by, like you say, don't think it's going to get you more clients, but actually the probably reality is it probably does because of diet culture because of obviously this perceived authority because obviously you know someone's going to pick the shredded dude with the massive pecs and six pack if they're going to pick a coach then they are going to do the kind of the, the flabby guy in a polo shirt that clearly doesn't look like he even works out himself that there is this kind of authority bias there where like it then plays into the fact that oh i've, I've got to compete because you know i can't if I, if I don't if I'm not yeah you, people have used in the in the industry or you know talking about the industry like you are your own business card and while while I fucking despise that statement because obviously it's everything that it shouldn't be in that your visual physique and who you are that way doesn't define your ability to get you know to to coach clients well and ethically and kind of get good results for them um but in the same breath is it it does actually it is a thing in that obviously people will look at you as your business card rightly or wrongly which so it is annoying and frustrating at the same time yeah they will but do you have to be shredded for something to think you look good you don't do no no there's obviously like a spectrum there in terms of like you don't have to be fucking dick skin lean again to obviously get clients but I guess a lot of people feel they'll get more clients if they do than if they don't. I don't, I don't, I, if you're aiming at the general population, I, I very much I don't think it's going to be much difference from you looking like, looking good at 10% or looking good at 6 No. I, I, I also, I think also, to be honest, like the audience you want to attract is a big thing. So like half of our clients probably wouldn't look at a, you know, a prep coach, physique and be like oh i want coach from them because they'll be like oh that's that seems extreme or oh i don't want to look like that that's not really interesting me so then you wouldn't attract the clients that they want to whereas obviously if you want prep type clients that are into bodybuilding then you probably do need to look that way because obviously that's what they're going to look out for for the most part well the clients that you've referred to me they've never seen more than my head which is probably what most of us would like to stick to really yeah probably but you do have a very nice head Johnny I'll give I you that yeah I was um, I am the rock apparently <laughs> Jerry stand there looking at me because one of her clients said I look like a rock I think I think she I meant your, your your head looks like a rock not yeah it's probably that it was <laughs> your your husband's head looks like a rock yeah it's like the rock as in Dwayne Johnson yeah no. definitely not that but I said I do need to grow about five inches that's, and in, that's in the trouser department though isn't it Johnny that's, yeah, probably there as well. Because I mean, I imagine he's very large. He's a very, very large man, and I imagine I would have to gain maybe four stone of pure mass and lose three stone of pure fat. I think I say I think probably maybe more than four stone. I'm gonna guess. Like two hundred and five pound now. So, so is he? Is he over two fifty? Probably. I, I, I have literally zero um, inclination of how much he possibly weighs. I mean, obviously, a quick Google would sort this, no doubt. Um, but, yeah, no Wait. idea. I don't even know how tall he is. I know he's tall, but I don't know how Wait. tall. 
Oh, he's currently, apparently, he's six foot two. I'm like, hmm, I think I thought he was bigger than that. I was so going to say, that's, yeah, that's obviously like similar height to us. Um, and he is, word on Google, not word on the street, he is 262 pounds. Okay. So I need, to get a, I need to go in roughly 60 pounds per muscle and lose a good chunk because he's probably sitting now like 10%. You, you, you could probably make that, you need to gain 80 pounds then. Because obviously, by the time you account for the weight loss as well, you need more muscle to have that same weight. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, don't we go into that subject? Anyway. But... Anyways, yeah. Well, he, we got on that subject because he's massive. We're not, and apparently, your clients say that you look like him. Shelley's clients. Not sorry. Oh, sorry, Shelley's clients. Yeah. Uh, we can tell that Shelley's clients are not in the fitness industry and that they have their haircut. <laughs> yes. They. Uh, I mean, no, no. I don't have the rock, unfortunately. Currently, at the minute, I'm uh, haven't trained that much weights um, and school holidays, excuse really, but I haven't trained that much, so well, I'm currently even further from the rock. It just shows that we all suffer from the same things that everybody else do, which aligns with my point around looking like you are being your own business card. Actually, like you can't always be your own business card because we all suffer from the same issues, like. In fact, that actually shows you that you're probably more qualified or better qualified to help support someone because you can empathise and have experience and compassion with those individuals because you've been there rather than being like, look at me, I'm fucking shredded as fuck. I never have any problems. I'm just a robot and can get down to 4.2% body fat. Um, trying to trying to tell a, a middle-aged mum of six that obviously, yeah, come on, you, you you should be able to just eat your chicken, broccoli and rice at your Tupperware tub. I do it every five times a day. Come on. I don't it's think like, that's going to work. No. It's like, no. Not for me and Shelley. You've come from, <clears throat> obviously, Liam's older. Eliza is now coming up to full-time school. So there's a difference now to what we've done for the last four years, to what we can potentially now do in... <clears throat> for the next however many years because they're in school full time so now where I can go I can go to jiu-jitsu more than anyways I do but I can drop kids out of school and go to the gym and have you know obviously you can't just spend your whole life in the gym but you're at less limited to what time you can spend in the gym or, or what, what else you can do to prepare things and it's not so much you haven't got to entertain them all the time all day yeah you've got more flexibility so haven't you yeah, there's a bit more flex to do certain things or spend whatever on it. So it's th- even even in in your life, things become different depending where at what stage you are. You can do things at 21. You probably can't do when you're 30 with a couple of kids. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's, it becomes inherently more difficult. And then your priorities might change. So your priorities might not be, you know, your priorities might be right. I just got to get, I got to look after them. I got to bring the kids up until they go to school and then I've done I've done my job, done my job to a certain degree and then I can focus more on myself or whatever. So, but like you said, someone who's 21 with no kids, no family, you know, of their own, has no idea what, like you said, a mother of however many kids, job, activities with the kids, they, give no, they cannot empathise because they, they, they don't really understand. Oh, you must have time. So, yeah, yeah some days. But, like, I mean, if a kid gets up at six, which they do when they're young, then you've got another kid who's got to go to school. 
So you'll do that, do your own food, do their food, take them to school, go to work, pick them up, put the put the the younger one to bed, put the older one to bed. You're like, well, yeah, that's all that's all they got. Especially imagine a single parent, single mother. It's like, well, it's not as easy to say, yeah, make some time. It's like, well, actually, I'm a single mother. Almost if you're a single mother with kids who've got no other family. It's a very difficult, it's very, just, people have got it hard. And to say that, oh, you've got to make time is not really the right answer, is it? It's not the right thing that they want to hear. They don't prioritise fitness as such because they can't sometimes. Because of, this, because of, a, of a shit situation they may be in. You know, maybe they can't be for four years so they go to school. They go, actually, I got a bit of my time back. But, I don't know. I enjoyed it, nonetheless. Um, I think good chat, mate. I think, um, yeah, just to kind of recap, I suppose, like, I don't think either of us personally think bodybuilding is necessarily a bad thing, but obviously it comes with its own risks and that a lot of people misuse the sport. Um, I think for that reason, we kind of agreed, like, I don't know if that is the right term really, but I suppose it's the term we come up with, like, we probably feel it's a bit of a net negative. But that being said, and that sounds like a negative way to then look at it, but that being said, things like, I don't know, photo shoots, bodybuilding, anything kind of physique-based in terms of outcomes aren't completely bad and that they are they can be done perfectly healthy and rationally. It's just that, obviously, there are a lot of occasions where they're not and, obviously, they can be very damaging to some people. So um, I think just we've said it enough times throughout, but a lot of it is all about being genuinely reflective and honest about your own reasons why you're doing this sort of stuff which is obviously really difficult for people like it's really hard to be that um, objective with yourself because as I've said a million times to clients to the, even on the podcast like we are our easy like ourselves we are the easiest people to lie to lie to like we will believe anything we tell ourselves when we want to so obviously it's then difficult to be that objective around like why are you competing and why and like why you don't so if it was that easy like there'd be no mental well, actually no that's fucking really weird to say um there'll be they're, basically they're, people will be in a lot better like mindset and and kind of like mental position i don't know for like if they if people could be that objective around how they thought about things and how honest they were about kind of why they do certain stuff um because obviously you know as an example we've said before around like fine lines between kind of good and bad behaviors if you were that objective all the time and could really see why you're doing things, you wouldn't do all, like most of the bad behaviors. And actually, you would all the, even the good behaviors that turned into bad behaviors, like over exercise and kind of you know kind of over restricting food and stuff like that. Um, you wouldn't do half of those things because of the fact that you're objective and that you could really genuinely see kind of what was going on. I think. Yes. Um, so, uh, if enjoyed the little debate, uh, well, diverse debate, really. Okay, I suppose discussion around it. Um, we don't tend to go too much around kind of things that kind of industry, but they were just two things that piqued our interest a little bit, I suppose, because obviously we have both had interest in this this kind of area before. Um, it is a bit controversial sometimes, but it's just an interesting chat. So. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review, listen, all of those things. Share with your friends, family, networks. Uh, buy your cheese. Eat lean, uh, obviously, eatlean.com forward slash shop, I think it is. NNN10 for 10% off. If you want any protein bars, uh, WSNNN27 
for uh, money off the warrior bars at teamwarrior.com. Brilliant bars. And I don't think we have anything else to plug or shout out. Um, yeah, that's me. Thanks for listening. If we're going to meet up for a roll, then we up for a roll. <laughs> a tuna roll. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Thank you.